children of Israel believed, but they often forgot. The God who supplied all that they had relied on and given them all that they sought. But if we would search our hearts right from the very start, We'd find that we're just the same Cause God gives and He gives To those that are His But it seems all we do is complain So why complain? He has saved me from sin And corruption within And I know that He knows my name So why I have riches untold That's worth much more than gold And I know He's ever the same Oh, I'm saved So why complain? <clears throat> in sickness, in health In poverty, in wealth Whatever my portion, it's fine. Cause my worst day on earth is much better than I deserve, so I'll thank Him for all that is mine. Though trials may hurt me, He will never desert me, no matter how much I may fall. Cause the sins that controlled me and had their hold on me, my Savior, He died for them all. So why complain? He has saved me from sin and corruption within, and I know that He knows my name. So why complain? I have riches untold. That's worth much more than gold, and I know He's ever the same. Oh, I'm saved, so why complain? Yes, I'm saved, so why often do I, oh, why do I ever complain? Morning by morning 
new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hands have provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Pardon for sin and the peace that endureth. Thy own dear presence to cheer and to guide. Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings, oh my, with ten thousand beside. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Good, uh, good afternoon. Um, I, I'm uh, Brandon Van Sickle. For those who are not aware, uh, we do uh, be go ahead and be turning to Luke chapter 18 if you'd like to be doing that. Uh, but we uh, bring you greetings from uh, <clears throat> Riverside Baptist Church from uh, in Tram, Kentucky. It's if you're not aware where that is, it is kind of a, a blip on the map, but uh, it's just right, pretty much right in the middle of uh, Prestonsburg and Pikeville, uh, Kentucky, and Floyd County. Um, but that's where we have been, uh, the Lord has led us to pastor at. Uh, we've been there uh, officially, I guess, since uh, January 1st, 2020, right before uh, the pandemic broke out. Uh, but um, if you don't care, be in prayer for us, be in prayer for our church there. Um, and we pray that we may be a blessing unto you this afternoon. So Luke chapter 18, <clears throat> I want to uh, 
Uh, we want to begin reading verse 9. Verse 9, and we'll read through verse 14. Probably uh, familiar verses to you. <clears throat> it says, And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as, as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For every one that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. I want to present a message today entitled, uh, Vain Thanksgiving. Uh, let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity today to, to gather with like-minded brothers and sisters in Christ, and we pray that um, your hand may be evident today, that your spirit may be evident among your people here. And we pray, Lord, that you may give us the words to speak today, that they may be um, a blessing, a help to those that are here, to the people of God. Most of all, we pray, Lord, that what is spoken, what is said today is God-glorifying and lifts your name up above all other names. We ask all this in the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. <clears throat> Christ, in this portion of Scripture, again, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with it, tells a story of a Pharisee and a publican. First note to whom this parable was directed unto. In verse 9 it says, And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. First, Christ spoke this to those who trusted in themselves. Now, if you are trusting in yourself, then who are you not trusting in? You're not trusting in God. At this point, let me make an observation. The parable is primarily, uh, especially uh, who Christ is directing this to, is primarily uh, speaking unto those who are unsaved. The Pharisee and the story that Christ gives is really a description of those he is speaking directly unto. So this parable was primarily to teach a lesson to those who were currently unbelievers and was to convict them of their unholy attitudes. <laughs> Having said that, however, please note that while the saint of God is not depicted by the Pharisee, it is still very possible that we too can succumb to 
such a pharisaic attitude, mindset, and have times where we do trust in ourselves rather than trusting rightly in God. Because we have a self-righteous attitude about us sometimes, I'm afraid. Which, such an attitude, by the way, is the basis for self-trust, which is seen here. So this was not just spoken to those who trusted in themselves, but secondly, they trusted in themselves that they were righteous. The basis of their trusting in themselves was because they have this have come to this false conclusion that they were righteous and were somehow these great specimens of holiness. How men have such misshapen views of themselves sometimes. But before we start, I guess, kind of getting lifted up in our own self, our own pious gas baggery, if you will, we often have very misshapen views of ourselves at times, I'm afraid. How often have we been built up with pride to the point that we think we're really something? Though you may be saved, you and I are quite prone to self-righteousness ourselves. We must guard against it. Yes, yet this is not even the full description of those that this, par this parable was spoken unto. Not only was this to those who trusted in themselves and to those who thought that they themselves were righteous, but thirdly, it says that this was to those who despised others. Again, let us not conclude that this could not describe us either. How often... Have we been built up with pride that we think too highly of ourselves, but also to the point that we look down upon others or think that others are below us or inferior to us? As Baptists, I'm afraid sometimes we get that way with the things the Lord has revealed to us through the scriptures. We think that maybe we came to understand some things on our own when really it was God that showed us. If we have any knowledge at all, it's because of the Lord, not ourselves. Now, when I say that even we can have a, a despising of others, uh, maybe there's some here that say, well, preacher, that doesn't describe me. I don't despise others. Well, wait a minute here. Have you ever gossiped? Have you ever been unwilling to forgive? Have you ever jumped to conclusions about someone else without examining the facts of that situation? How often have you judged someone else harshly all the while in your head thinking that you could never fall to such a transgression? How often have you had a holier-than-thou sort of attitude? towards another individual. Maybe even towards another brother or sister in Christ. Well then, you at least have fit this description at times in your life. My point is that although you may be saved, even you, yes, you and I, still have pharisaic tendencies being in this flesh, and you, yes, you, and Myself stand to learn a lot from this parable. 
even though it was primarily directed to those who were unsaved. This parable is a stark rebuke to the individual who does indeed think too highly of his or herself. So, number one, I'd like for you to consider the vain thanksgiver. So verse 10 says, Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulteries, adulterers, rather, or even as this publican. Of course, both, both the Pharisee and the publican are said to have gone to this temple to pray in this parable here, and I would argue that there wasn't a whole lot of praying really going on with the, the Pharisee himself, but that's neither here nor there. The Pharisee starts his supposed prayer with these four words. God, I thank thee. Why, there's a man who's thankful, right? Wrong. You realize that just because someone says something doesn't make it so, right? Just because a man says or thinks that he's a woman doesn't make him a woman. Just because a person says that they're saved doesn't necessarily mean they're saved. And just because someone says that they're thankful to God doesn't actually mean that they're thankful to God. The Pharisee was vain in his supposed thanksgiving to the Lord. He was unsuccessful in this giving of thanks here. So how, how do you know that, you might say? Well, I think we know this for three reasons. Number one, and kind of uh, goes back to the outline set in verse 9. Number one, he trusted in himself. So verse 11, the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with, with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, and even, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Now this Pharisee uh, addressed supposedly this prayer to God, but let me ask you, who was the object of this prayer? Who was being praised in that prayer? It wasn't God, was it? It was the Pharisee. The Pharisee made him, himself, the object of that prayer. He was praising himself, not God. Number two, he trusted him in himself on the basis of his own righteousness. So not only did he make himself the object of this prayer, but he did so because he thought he was better than he was. He thought that all of his external religiosity made himself righteous. Now when I read this, <clears throat> this is kind of how it kind of... I think of it in my head to me the, when I, the Pharisee comes off this way. God, look what I have done. Look at all my accomplishments. I've done my part, Lord. Now you do yours. That's his attitude. As if God somehow is indebted to or obligated to him. In other words, God, I'm so righteous. You should do everything according to my will. You should be praising me, God, not me praising you. 
Again, don't think that we can't at least resemble this Pharisee in this regard. I'm convinced that some professing children of God just think that they are God's gift to the world. They think that they're God's gift to their wife. They're God's gift to their husband. They're God's gift to uh, the church that they go to. They are God's gift to their employer. God's gift maybe even to God himself. This man was not thankful towards God. This man was thankful for himself because he had a false perception of himself thinking that he was righteous of himself. Thirdly, this Pharisee despised others. I'm thankful I'm not like that extortioner. I'm thankful that I'm not like the unjust one. I'm not like that adulterer. I'm not like even this publican. He thought everyone else was inferior to him. But the sad reality was, he was just like all those he listed. He was guilty of extortion. He, he took advantage of people at the very least. He desired to in his heart. And if you understand some of the scripture where, where God is addressing the Pharisees and we see some of the, their conduct, we know that they were extortioners most of the time. They were extorting people, taking advantage of folks. He was just as the unjust, for he himself was guilty of harshly judging others, as evident by the very words of his supposed prayer. He was an adulterer, if not outwardly, then certainly inward. Furthermore, he was like the publican who was a sinner. The Pharisee was certainly a sinner himself for all of sin and comes short of the glory of God. Also keep in mind that the Bible says that if you keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, you're guilty of all. James 2.10 My point, despite his lofty opinion of himself, the Pharisee was a wicked, good-for-nothing, low-down sinner. He had absolutely no reason to trust in himself because he was not righteous. And he had no reason to despise others because he was just as unrighteous as the rest of the human lot. Yet he trusted himself based on his supposed goodness. And he looked down upon others because they weren't quite as good as he was. Therefore, his thanksgiving was all in vain. It was completely unsuccessful. But we have another individual in this parable who has a much different sort of attitude than the Pharisee. So number two, note the example of a, of a true thanksgiving attitude. So verse 13 says, And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man, that is, the, the publican went down to his house justified rather than the other. Now, admittedly, <clears throat> the words of the publican's prayer, of course, doesn't 
I articulate Thanksgiving exactly or directly. However, I am convinced that this does reveal the proper attitude of a Thanksgiving, uh, uh, a saint who gives Thanksgiving unto the Lord in stark contrast to the Pharisee. This is true of, true of all aspects of life, not just in relationship to God, but you cannot truly thank someone in a spirit of pride. You can tell someone thanks a million times, but unless it is done in, a, in humility, with a humble uh, spirit, it really fails to be any sort of thanksgiving. Even though this prayer was but seven words in total, God received all praise, all thanks from these words. And unlike the Pharisee, the publican was successful in approaching the throne of God by having a proper attitude towards God. So number one, the publican trusted God. Yes, as you could probably imagine, this, uh, the example of the publican is essentially the opposite of the Pharisee. But instead of trusting in himself like the Pharisee did, the publican trusted the Lord. He said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He knew that if he was to be justified, the, that justification must come from outside of himself. It must come by the grace and mercy of the Lord. Why? Well, number two, secondly, the publican trusted God because he could not trust himself. Not only did the publican trust God, he trusted God on the basis that he could not trust his own self. Why could he not trust his own self? Because unlike the Pharisee, or at least the Pharisee in his own mind, the publican was a sinner. The publican was unrighteous, and he had a proper understanding of his unrighteousness. Therefore, the publican pleaded for the mercy of God because he knew what he was. He knew what he deserved. In other words, he knew that if he was to be justified, and again, that justification had nothing to do with him, with himself. Again, it had to come from outside of himself, but not just outside of himself. He knew that there was only one source of justification, and that was the Lord himself. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. So what did he do? Well, he appealed to God. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. The publican knew that he required the mercy of God because he was a sinner. And if God were not to have mercy upon him, then he would be forever miserable. In this plea, there is a proper acknowledgement of God. As not only does the publican take his rightful place in the dust, being guilty before God. But these words also reveal God as the sovereign, who can do as he will, and who can have mercy or not according to his will, according to his good pleasure. Thankfully, we have the promise from Christ that all who come unto him, he will in no wise cast out. John 6.37 But the only one who truly comes to God with the right attitude, the one who truly does that, 
acknowledges that God would be fully just, still be right, were He to cast Him away. God has every right to cast every one of us away because of our sin. This is so far removed from the attitude of the Pharisee. The Pharisee had no need for the mercy of God, did he? Because he wasn't a sinner in his own eyes. The Pharisee had no need for the grace of God because he, he merited the favor of the Lord. But he was deceived. He was a sinner and the only thing that Pharisee merited was the wrath of God. But the publican humbled himself. He trusted God. He needed mercy and he begged for it at the throne of the Lord. Thirdly, this publican despised not others, but himself. Again, we see another clear contrast between the Pharisee and the publican. The Pharisee not only praised himself, but he, he looked down his nose at other people. However, the publican makes no mention of others at all. The failures of others, whether real or perceived, had no bearing on his own relationship with God. The, the publican hated his sin. He considered himself as unworthy of even approaching God. So he stood afar off. Yet may I point out that he still approached God. Although he stood afar off, he actually came before the throne of grace that he may obtain mercy and find grace in his great time of need. Though you are unworthy of the mercy and grace of God, don't let that keep you from pleading for the mercy and grace of God. Amen. So this publican stood afar off and would not even lift so much his eyes up unto heaven. But then he did something maybe even a bit more odd. He smote upon his breast. Again, this publican hated his sin. But unlike the Pharisee, he knew that his sin wasn't just a matter of outward performance. It was a matter of the heart. Of the inward man. He despised the wicked inclinations of his heart. Which the Bible tells us is deceitful. Desperately wicked. Amen. And instead of pointing out the faults, the failures, the sins of others. He acknowledged his own bent towards evil. God be merciful to me a sinner. He makes it personal. Be merciful to me. A sinner in a sense. The publican is saying, if ever there was a sinner, I'm it. Amen. If ever there was an object in need of mercy, it is me. Lord, be merciful to me. Though I be unworthy of it. That is not to say that the publican was the only sinner. He wasn't even the only sinner in that temple. But he was the only sinner that really that he really needed to be concerned with at that moment. Even if no one else is in need of mercy, he knew that he needed it. This is somewhat similar to the language of the Apostle Paul from 1 Timothy 1.15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. 
And none of those statements, the, the statement from the publican or the Apostle Paul that we just quoted, none of those statements are made in a pompous, high sort of manner in the sense that they are glamorizing their own sin. Or look at the great transformation that's taken place in my life. But those statements are made because they had a proper recognition of how offensive to God their sins really were, both past and present, and those that maybe were to come. In closing, turn to Luke chapter 7. <clears throat> chapter 7, uh, verse 40. Probably, again, a familiar passage to you. Luke 7, verse 40. says, And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet, my, my head with oil. Thou dost not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. Now in the story that Christ <clears throat> told this uh, this, he's speaking to a Pharisee again by the name of Simon. So in that, this story that we just read and also in the real life illustration given to this Pharisee of a woman who washed the feet of our Lord, the application is specifically to, uh, to that of love towards God. Uh, but I, su su uh, I suspect that I'm not going overboard by suggesting that this could be applied to the idea of thankfulness as well. Who do you suppose would be more thankful to the creditor? The one who was forgiven a 500 pence debt or the one forgiven a 50 pence debt? Simon's answer, I believe, is still applicable. I suppose to he to whom he forgave most. In like manner, who do you think will be more thankful to God? The forgiven one who understands that they are wicked, a no good sinner, completely devoid of any righteousness apart from the Lord. Or the forgiven one who knows that they are a sinner, but maybe not that bad of a sinner. I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. Keep in mind the issue here is not who has literally been forgiven of the most number of sins. The issue is who has a better understanding of just how wicked, how wretched they are apart from the Lord. The one who realizes that their whole head is sick, that their whole heart is faint, 
From the sole of the foot even unto the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. The one who realizes that that is their condition, spiritually, the one who realizes that, and yet the Almighty God has been pleased to save them by their grace, there's no way around it. That one will be thankful towards their God. You see, there is no dignity in this matter. If you are a sinner, you are a filthy creature, and there's nothing you can do to make yourself less, less filthy. It takes the grace and mercy of the Lord. It takes the shed blood of God the Son to make you clean. It takes the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse you, to wash you from all of your sin. Your old filthy, disgusting rags of supposed righteousness. If you are saved and begin to understand just how filthy and disgusting your rags of righteousnesses are, you'll love God. Amen. You'll love Him more. You'll be more thankful to God. And not thankful like the Pharisee in our parable that we've examined today who was thankful for himself in all things. But you'll be thankful to God and for God in all things. Amen. Dear saint, though you may lose everything you have, you'll never lose God. Though everyone else may forsake you, God will not. Though your health leave you, any wealth that you may have had, fame or power or whatever the case may be, God will not leave you. When you properly realize who you are as a depraved, sinful man by nature apart from God, and you realize what you actually deserve, and in turn you see what God actually gives you, despite your unworthiness, you'll be thankful to God in all things. Amen. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You won't just be thankful for those things that are pleasant either. Amen. But you'll be thankful for those things that maybe are not so pleasant. You want to know why? Because although your circumstances and uh, whatever situation you may be going, going through, while, while it may not be pleasant, those things aren't nearly as unpleasant as an eternity in hell which is what you have actually merited and earned by your performance. But thanks be to the God of all grace. You won't have to experience such an eternity should you be one of His. Maybe there's someone here you think that you're better than the drunk down at the bar. No, you're just a sinner. You think you're better than the murderer on death row. No, you're just a sinner. You think you're better than your co-worker, your unsaved co-worker, your unsaved neighbor. No, you are just a sinner. Even if you're saved, you're just a sinner saved by grace. That's it. It's only by the grace of God that you're not like the drunk at the bar or sitting in a jail cell like that murderer. It's only by the grace of God that you're not on your way to hell like maybe your unsaved co-worker or unsaved neighbor. And by the way, you are fully capable, even as a saint of God, of, of falling 
to such sins as those you see around you falling unto. Don't think that you're not capable of it. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. My point in all of this, whether or without, without a proper understanding of who you are, you'll never have a right attitude towards God. And you'll never really be able to offer up <clears throat> true thanksgiving, true adoration, true love of, up unto God. Now you might speak the words, but God knows your heart. And if you approach God with a haughty spirit, if you approach God in pride, you might tell Him that you're thankful, but He'll know better. It will only be self-serving drivel that God will see right through. The attitude of thanksgiving is one of humility. By my estimation, the attribute that a child of God that is most important in the life of a child of God is that of humility. But the attitude of thanksgiving is a humble one, much like the attitude of the publican in the parable we read today. Get over yourself, humble yourself before God, and be thankful, having a right attitude towards yourself and towards the Lord. I tell you this man, the publican, went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. That is our message today. We pray that it may have been a blessing uh, unto you. Uh, Heather, Christine.